0: Well, good morning. Glad you're here today. Thankful for you. And this morning, we're, we're endeavoring into a two-part series. It's our Thanksgiving series. Uh, I know many of you have wondered, what are we going to do now that we're done with Acts? We don't know how to find ourselves. Well, get out your Bibles and we'll, we'll figure this out, okay? Turn to uh, Matthew 15. And as we do so, let me pray over our time in the Word today. Father, we ask that there would be great value, great inspiration to what we hear, what we see, what we learn this morning. Uh, Let it have a deep effect on us. That we can take the love of Christ and the graciousness that You bestow on us and that we can be examples of that all around. Thank You, Father. To You be the glory. Amen. So this week, we are speaking on the thanks of giving. And next week, we're going to have a special guest. We're going to have an inside out. I'll talk about that a little bit later. And then uh, the Sunday right before Thanksgiving will be the giving part. And we're going to do some unique things with that as well. I have a, uh, a question for you. Have you ever said this statement? Thanks a lot. And when you've said it, what has been your tone? Sarcasm. sarcasm. And when someone has said it back to you, do you, re- do you appreciate it, do you receive it as sarcasm or sincerity? Uh, it, it's an expression of thanks in a certain way, but really I want you to think about this idea of thanks a lot because... This is the passage we're going to today. There is so much that happens in the feeding of the 4,000 that as we look at this, we can't say anything other than thanks a lot. But we don't usually talk in those terms, do we? You know, I think about when I was out uh, as a young man, fresh college dropout, you get the scene. And uh, living, well, I don't know if it was called living, but kind of slumming with some friends on, uh, in an apartment complex on Walnut Street in Newhall, California. And uh, it's not exactly the best area, but that's where we were living. And my roommates were fairly decent people, but one had a tendency to borrow things. Oh, you roomed with him. <laughs> he had the tendency to borrow things really without asking. And uh, one one evening, I'm, I'm back home uh, and uh, I was, I don't know what I was doing, but I was I was at the dining room table. I'm sitting there and in walks my roommate. And he's got this flustered look on his face. And I said... You know, what's going on? And he just says, Thanks a lot. Well, you're welcome. What, you know? He goes, How come you didn't tell me there's no brakes on your Pinto? (laughs) And I look up and I said, What are you talking about? He said, Well, I borrowed your car and you never told me there's no brakes on it. I said, There's a brake. It's called the e brake. That's how a college guy breaks, right? Well, he had no idea my master cylinder was out on that car. He just saw me driving around. And uh, go figure, he got in a small fender bender. And what was behind his thanks a lot? Not a level of sincerity, but the, the upper echelon of sarcasm because what actually had happened for him is he borrowed my car without asking, without knowing what was really going on, and he rear-ended a cop. So, thanks a lot. (laughs) And so when I found out that he rear-ended a cop, I said, ha, thanks a lot, because I would have loved to have been there, right? So, when you think about that statement, he was at the pinnacle of the sarcasm aspect let me go outside of that and let me go to the sincerity aspect of thankfulness and just say from my wife and i how much you have blessed us this past month with pastor appreciation month i just want to share with you that there is so much love that my family feels Uh, whether or not we received anything we feel love here i mean don't take what i just said as not to do those things next year Um, Though we really appreciate those things too, Uh, but in all honesty, and and if you're new here, that was sarcasm, okay? In all honesty, from my family, we say thanks a lot, with all sincerity. You really, truly made us feel loved, and you always make us feel loved. And that's why it's such a privilege to serve you. So as we get into this morning, we've got to look at this idea of what happened here on this hillside, where Christ had been preaching for three days. The crowds had been following Him. Huge crowds. And let's pick it up, shall we? Now you see an interesting response by the disciples. You always see an interesting response by the disciples, don't you? I, I almost don't think that Christ picked them because they were qualified to be the the founding fathers of the church i think he picked them because they so reflect exactly who we are and our responses right so we can't get away from it we're right back there today let's look uh starting in verse 32 it says this then jesus called his disciples to him and said actually let me give you a little bit of background He's been going around the Sea of Galilee region and he's been healing people and he's been speaking and talking and, and thousands are following him and thousands are gathering and he keeps preaching uh, the gospel and the kingdom and, and healing alongside with that. Just incredible God work, right? That which establishes the message that he brings. And so what happens? Then Jesus called His disciples to Him and said, I have have compassion on the crowd because they've been with Me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Think about Jesus Christ there. He has been sharing the truth of life with these people. He's been healing them practicing supernatural healing so that their lives are radically changed and and what do we see in his heart i am unwilling to send them away hungry do you know the mind and the heart of your lord jesus this is the mind and heart of christ and so what happens and the disciples said to him where are we going to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd. Have you ever been there? There's a problem, there's a challenge. Somebody comes to you and, and your, your response is, what do you want me to do about it? Or maybe it's, thanks a lot. You're asking me to do something about this? You're the one healing, right? Right? And so the disciples have their typical response, and Jesus responds back to them, verse 34, and says to them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, He took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, He broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were what? Satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. So much more than 4,000. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. So here we have this incredible miracle, and I want to take you through it. But you notice what happens right in the middle, don't you? Jesus has this heart for the people. He's speaking truth to them. He's giving them what they need for understanding the kingdom of heaven. He's giving them what they need to heal their their physical problems and challenges. And yet He says what? He says, I feel badly for the people. They're hungry. This is a great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you ever been hungry? Have you ever had that need to fill your stomach and and be fulfilled? My encouragement to you is this. Think about how much Christ speaks to the smallest things. We think about the proliferation of the the Gospel. We think about incredible healing. And yet Jesus in this story pulls an incredible miracle just because we're hungry. Just because He's worried that we might faint. What are we thankful for? Well, let me run you through a a lot of points this morning, shall we? Let's start with this statement. Thanks a lot. A quick, reactive, half-hearted statement. Or a continual response reflecting my heart's perspective in light of earth, heaven, and hell. This morning, this is what I want us to wrestle with. I think this is what the, the Scripture wants us to wrestle with today. This idea of taking this month of November, not just one day, but this month of November, and instituting within our heart our lifestyle, our thinking, a pattern of a lot of thanksgiving. We'll have a statement at the very end that's pretty profound as to what a thankful heart does in our lives. So let's start to break this down. Here's the passage, but beyond this, it says what? Let's, let's look at the, 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 the breakouts here. So we have a lot of people, right? Not just 4,000. Some say you should triple that number. It should be up around 12,000 people that had gathered. And so you have a lot of people. Now do you start to understand what the disciples were saying? Are you kidding me? Today we have a great lunch that we're going to participate in. Can you imagine if we had come to one individual? one individual and said you're responsible to feed all these people today nope i'm not doing it the response would have been very similar to what the disciples said and so we see the things that start to challenge us in life here's how thankfulness can reverse that right away the disciples react because of the amount of people that are here i had an experience like this yesterday, my brother-in-law and I went uh, fishing up in the Sierras and we stayed overnight uh, in a town called Groveland, just outside of Yosemite. Some of you might know it. And so we, we got up from our incredibly restful night of sleep and, uh, and we went downstairs, we packed up and we went to the local coffee house. And everything was going great for two-thirds of our exploration into that coffee house got my coffee got my bagel alan got his coffee got got uh, something else to eat and we're standing there there's like four maybe five people in this room that was probably the size of the sound booth and all of a sudden i i i'm thinking a hollywood tour bus must have pulled up because the door opened my coffee is on the other side of the room at a table And I had gone over to get a napkin. And all of a sudden, one by one, all these people start filing in. And I just keep, I look out the window, I'm like, this doesn't stop. Now if you know me, I can't handle a lot of people in a small space. So, I kid you not, what started to happen is I started going Jason Bourne in my mind. (laughs) And I look at that, you know the glass jar that holds the scones? I literally picture grabbing that and throwing it to the other side of the room so everybody runs to grab scones off the ground like squirrels, bolting for my coffee, grabbing the coffee and if anybody gets in my way, the thing about that, that town is like an old western town and so there's these glass fronts and it's like an old western saloon. I just pictured people coming flying out glass windows, right? And it's not going to be me, okay? Okay. I just I do not do well with a lot of people stuck in one spot. But luckily, the uh, the long transfer of people seeking caffeine stopped, and they kind of squished in, and we got out of there quick, and I could breathe again. But maybe for some of you, the crowd is overwhelming today, and so I just encourage you: lean on the Lord. Lean on the Lord. Think of those times where the crowd was overwhelming prior, and what did the Lord do? How did God work? Find something in the midst of that to be thankful for. As we're fishing up in the Sierras, Alan's recovering from a bad back, I've got a a, a bad knee, and, and the fishing was the worst I've ever experienced. So it was one of those trips where you're just like, well, I'm glad to be alive and walking in the forest. You know, you, you, had to, you had to pull something out to, to validate uh, all that time and all that uh, uh, effort to go after. I, the disciples did better than I did. They had seven fish. I had zero. But I'm still thankful. Secondly, a lot of time, right? Are you thankful for a lot of time? How many of you have ever been in a, in a position where something took a lot longer than it should have taken. How many of you that drives you nuts? That you're having to wait for someone or you're having to wait for something to start or you're having to wait for, you know, you're going to do turkeys maybe coming up for Thanksgiving and you keep pulling the turkey out, it's not done yet. It's not whole family's ready to go. Whatever it is, maybe that for you is the biggest challenge. You know, this idea of a lot of time. Three days they'd been out there. Three days. most church services today in america if you go over an hour you've gone too long a lot of time really drives people nuts especially americans especially americans in other places of the world it's not so much about the time and and staying on schedule and and doing this it's about the people it's about the event it's about the experience but they've been out there for three days. Are you thankful when the duration is overwhelming? And have you had one of those moments recently? I think about the story of Jesus coming to where Lazarus was sick. And by the time he arrives, according to his plan, it was too late, wasn't it? It was too late. And so Mary and Martha run out to meet Him. And they say, You took too long! He's dead! And yet the Lord knew what He was doing. Didn't He? The Lord knew what He was doing. And in the end, there was much more victory. There was much more encouragement. There was much more of God's work actually being played out. But if it had been Martha and Mary's way... We never would have seen the miraculous happen. Sometimes we get overwhelmed by the, the contingency and the struggle of time in our life. These people had been out there for a long time. The disciples were hangry. Right? And Jesus says, I'm not sending them away without feeding them. I don't care how long it's been. Well, what about problems? a lot of problems maybe you struggle maybe i struggle with thankfulness because i just have too many problems if my life was just like it'd be so much better because i wouldn't have all these problems the poor disciples if if i had been part of that team i could have just i could hear my thinking which would have been wait a minute this is on you You're the one preaching. You're the one healing. You're the one drawing in all these crowds. How do you expect me to do something about this? This is not my problem. (laughs) You know, sometimes Jesus puts problems in our lap just to see how we would respond. And I find in my own life that happens a lot when He's done some incredible work on the front side. He gives me all this reason to give thankfulness, and then He just throws one thing right here. Just this one little problem, just to see if I've learned anything. Have I grown at all? Have I matured? Do I have a spiritual mindset? Because of watching His incredible grace work itself out in my life, and we'll get to that in a little bit in Ephesians 1. Are you thankful when the task is overwhelming? What task do you have That if if you could, you would dump on me right now. Don't say it. Please, don't say it. But there's a reason Jesus hands this to the disciples who can do what? Nothing. He's handed them an impossible task. Brothers and sisters, when we face impossible tasks, that's the moment Jesus gets to show up. That's when Jesus shines. That's when we rejoice and we're inspired the most. So stop looking at the impossible task as a negative thing. Let's look at the impossible task and say, Thank you! Not, thanks a lot. A lot of resources. A lot of resources. Well, you may think that the disciples thought, Well, we don't have a lot of resources. Jesus says, what do you got? And they say, well, we got a few loaves of bread and a few small fish. You know, that ain't going to work. Maybe you and I are in that position right now where our problems or our tasks, it's really hard to be thankful in the midst of facing those things because we look at our resources and we say we don't have enough in order to solve these tasks, in order to solve these problems. It's amazing how the enemy gets us so twisted that we lose sight of who's standing with us. Just like the disciples. The disciples have seen Jesus do the miraculous already. But I think there's a a great learning curve here. I'm not sure that Jesus expected anything different from them. But where does He start? He starts with their resources. There's a great message here, brothers and sisters. We may be overwhelmed by the crowds. We may be overwhelmed by the the amount of time something's taken. We may be overwhelmed by uh, the people, the problems, the tasks. And Jesus may come to you and say, You need me to respond? Okay, what do you got? What do you got? Thank God there are moments in my life that get so quiet in the midst of so much that's required of me that He takes me back and reminds me of this very little resource I have. It's such a small resource. It's just a book. You're hearing my sarcasm, aren't you? This is sufficient for all our needs. It is sufficient for all our needs. He's given us a resource, and I can just hear the Lord say to me right now, when I start thinking about all the time it's taking to do something, or the overwhelming tasks, or, or, or just the amount of stress that's on me, and so it steals away my heart of thankfulness and joy and hope. And He comes to me and He reminds me, what are your resources? What do you got? Well, I've got His Word, and I've got open access to the throne room of Christ through prayer. Amen? Amen. And even more so, I have the Holy Spirit here to remind me over and over and over of the resources, the blessings, the promises that God has given to me. There will be more than sufficient For all those things seeking to overwhelm me. What do you have? He provides a lot of order. How? Well, let's let's look at it real quickly. He asked them, you know, how many loaves do you have? They said seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and fish. You know, the leadership part here, and the line here is, Are you thankful for leadership? The leadership didn't start when he directed everybody to sit down. That's the obvious point. The leadership started when he started to fulfill his ministry, when he worked out in obedience, going to the crowds and preaching the kingdom and healing and doing the miraculous in his Father's name, obeying the Father in this ministry. And so. There was provided inspirational results and overwhelming crowds and overwhelming tasks. And when you get into those overwhelming tasks and overwhelming crowds and overwhelming times, it requires what? Order. Somebody's got to lead. And Jesus led. We have a culture and a society that constantly questions leadership. Leadership. We're heading into that week, aren't we? And you will hear on Wednesday morning, and for some of you people that are addicted to pain and anguish, you may be on the TV or or, or the radio or the internet Tuesday night, and you may hear vitriol one way or the other. Just the incredible debasing of leadership. You know, our leadership positions in this country are there, and they're titled civil what? Servants. The reason that our lead, some of our leadership in our country, or even in our churches, has this issue of uh, cultural obstructionism, is because They've earned that. Because they have lied. Because they lack integrity. Because there's something missing that needs to be inherent to leadership. And sometimes that's appropriate. But you notice there's no debate here by four to 12,000 or 15,000 people, right? Jesus asked them to sit down. And they sat down. Jesus asked the disciples to pass out the bread. They passed it out. It's interesting, those who were defiled, those that were corrupt were the ones that were obstructionists to Jesus' leadership. I encourage you this week be thankful for godly leadership be thankful for godly leadership and work to make sure that the culture around you is one that is thankful for that rather than being part of what I like to call the malou. Just the gook. Layman's terms for encouragement to you this week with the whole political thing, stay out of the gook. It's a theological tune. In, in the Greek you would say the gook. A lot of recognition. A lot of recognition. The question is, are you thankful for blessings? Verse 36. A lot of recognition. How does that work? What what is the point of that? A lot of recognition. Are you thankful for blessings? The idea is simply this, is that Christ takes the fish, takes the bread, and He breaks it, and He gives thanks for it. He realizes what God is going to do through Him in this moment to speak to the power of God, and He gives thanks in the midst. So much of the time, we sit down and we go to say grace at the table. We do so because of this passage. And so much of the time, we don't because we ignore this passage. And if there's something I really want each of us to hold on to tightly today is this demonstration by Christ to give honor and to recognize the blessing from our Father, not just for the food we receive, But for all things that we receive, we're going to read a passage, we're going to recite a passage at the end of our music today that speaks to this out of Ephesians 1. And you'll not find the word thankfulness in it, you'll hear the word blessing over and over. And the idea is this recognition of blessing. This is what Christ is doing here. He's recognizing what God is going to do, He's going to bless the small resources they have, and He's going to proliferate it to do a great work for the people. Because this is how God works. Lastly, and I apologize, we just reset our, uh, we just reset all of our stuff, and so I just realized why this is happening. So I'll just read to you uh, what our last two things are. A lot of satisfaction, a lot of satisfaction. Are you thankful for answers? In verse thirty-seven, speaks to this. It says. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 7 baskets full of broken pieces left over. Are we thankful when we see the answers to our prayers? Do we recognize that? Do we walk away amazed that this idea of the spiritual nature, the focus on the unseen, that God actually works? God fulfills His promises. And He may do it over a prolonged period of time. He may do it in the midst of overwhelming tasks. He may do it in the midst of too many people, too many crowds. All of those create opportunity for leadership which Christ demonstrated. And I encourage you today that when you face that overwhelming sense that there's just too much. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Use the idea of Jesus standing in the midst of and leading the people to say, we're going to take what God has given us, these small resources, we're going to break this, we're going to recognize that He's blessed us with this. And let's see what He does. And it says they ate. They all ate. We need to remember a great quote from the Old Testament over and over and over that we see the prophet say was, remember the Lord your God. And often it would follow by saying, the One who parted the Red Sea, the One who pulled His people out of Egypt. And often when the people forgot what God did in answering prayers, they got focused on themselves. And when they got focused on themselves, it was the beginning of the end for them. I encourage you this morning, a lot of satisfaction Be thankful for the answers that God gives you. And lastly, a lot of abundance. Are you thankful for much? In what way has the Lord provided much for you? And this is the part where we're going to practice one of our key uh, aspects of what we do uh, here in engaging. Um, So this statement, and again, I apologize. We'll, We'll get this fixed next week. The idea is that thankfulness is a powerful spiritual elixir. It is a powerful spiritual elixir. So I want to give us a chance this morning. An opportunity to simply proclaim what is the much that He has given you in the midst of a lot? A lot of pressure? A lot of crowds? A lot of time? A lot of tasks? What is it That you can see those answers. You can see how we ate. That you would be thankful for. In just a moment, I'm going to call up David to share a great testimony to speak to this. But I'm compelled to have us speak to this even right now. Because I know many of us in this room have so much to share on this level of thankfulness that we need to proclaim it. What is it? What is it that that God has given you that you are thankful for? Very good. Very good. And I'm thankful because Roger and Linda stepped in the gap and brought Nancy here when she couldn't drive. Others. What are you thankful for? Women's Bible study. Women's Bible study? What are you guys looking at? What are you guys studying, Trey? Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. Another place where Jesus is amongst the crowds and he's giving great, great wisdom. Gary? And was it something you were praying for? Constantly. Yeah. 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 Amen. By the way, did that happen on the first prayer? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) And yet the Lord has answered. Absolutely. Amen. What else? Blessings of grandchildren. Blessings of grandchildren. I can't speak to that yet. But I'll take that as a prophetic word, brother. <laughs> Thank you, Ron. This side of the room's doing great. You guys need to find some. Oh, Cindy, yes. Thankful that my church family has come alongside my best friend, my right, first son, and that the doctors have no explanation for mm. his healing and his progress. <laughs> Amen. <Hallelujah>. Amen. <laughs> Others. Very good. A very, very strong blessing and something that um, the leaders that have built that board have been praying for. And we're thankful that God has answered it with a perfect person. Amen. 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 I'm thankful for CJ because he was here early this morning setting up tables that I n- normally would be setting up. <laughs> so thank you, CJ. Um, I'm going to ask David. Let me, let me just transition this in prayer. I'm going to ask David to come share with you. That he just, I had the sermon ready. They took us to lunch on Thursday and they shared a story that was just incredible. Just absolutely incredible. And I thought, I had something else planned for our response of thankfulness and, I, and testimonies of thankfulness. And I just thought, you have to hear this. You have to hear this. And so let me pray as we transition. Father, we come before You. With the confidence of seeing this story of the 4,000 or 12,000 or 15, whatever it would be, that were fed and a heart of thankfulness, knowing that no matter how overwhelming the crowds might be, no matter how great the task, no matter how um, much time. Is being required of us, and how overwhelming that can be. That Father, you ask us to remember: what have I given you? What resources have I given you? And your Son modeled this idea and understanding of giving thanks for that which you have blessed us with. And we see your work happen. Use our church. Continue to use our church in this way of taking the willingness to be thankful, to trust in You, to recognize when You are at work, and then to give the glory to You. And in seeing You work way beyond our capacity, Father, that there's a spiritual awakening within our hearts and our lives. One that leans towards undefiled hope and thankfulness.